right, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Michael Swede. This is Sunday, October 4th. We're in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, and uh, we're broadcasting live, which is a good thing because we're having major problems with the website. Paul is working feverishly to get the uh, main page working. All of the uh, background uh, tabs are, are not working, so you can't access any of the archives but we are broadcasting. That portion of the website is still working. We're going to try to fix it. We know where the problem is, but fixing it is another question. So uh, glad we're broadcasting live. Glad the uh, people in the chat room are here live. And Michael, how are you doing today on this? I, I guess it's a gray and gloomy day in Sweden, just as it is in Chicago. we got a bit of a drizzle going down here. Yeah, it's the same here. It's a bit uh, gray. It's a rainy, you know, a bit. But it's it's the temperature is is kind of nice. It is is I feel very comfortable outside. It's like warm. I, I like temperature yeah. outside, so I shouldn't be negative. It's just it's a bit gray, but still the temperature yeah. is very good. Yeah, ten below is not bad at all, right? <laughs> For Sweden. Nice. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, folks. So we're going to continue our series on the uh, Israelite origin of the Scandinavians, and uh, let me. Um, let's go ahead and pick it up. I'll put the link in the chat room uh, really quickly here so people can follow along. And we are at the portion of the article by Mikkel Krag. Is that how you pronounce it in Swedish? Or is he a Danish? What, what, uh, uh, is a Norwegian? what uh, country is he from? Do you know? He is from Denmark. I think he's Denmark. from Copenhagen. Okay. Copenhagen. Okay. So, uh, but I've uh, from... Having you on these shows, I realize there's a huge difference in pronunciations of words from one country to another, and so I can't make assumptions, but Mikkel Krag, I would assume, is how his name is pronounced. And we are going to start with uh, the, the section entitled, The Gentiles and Heathens in the New Testament, the Lost Ten Tribes. And Michael, I think... Uh, Probably, you know, because he still uses, he conflates the Jews with the Judahites, and he, he takes the word Gentile and, uh, and others uh, seriously. So let's just make the corrections as we go along, and, you know, where he, he has Jew, unless he's talking about Edomites, okay? We'll just correct it to Judah, okay, or Judahite. And where he uses Gentile, we're, we're corrected to nation or the uh, lost sheep or something like that, the dispersion. Probably is usually the word dispersion is the best substitute for Gentile. Okay, over to you. Take it away. Mm. Yes, yes, because yeah, I see also that he is a bit confused with that. He he is then referring to yeah. We, we make the corrections as we go along in a way. Right. And um, so now we're going to start up as 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 uh, Eli said. We start up at the art at the headings that is the Gentiles and heathens in the New Testament, the lost ten tribes. And as I said, that, that's the dispersion. That is the Scythians, among other, they are, I guess, regarded as the, as the Gentiles, the dispersion. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay, so let's get started then. Uh, so the one tribe of Judah in Palestine uh, had, as in tribe, rejected the potential king of king Judah. Of the Judah, Judah of right. Judah. Uh -huh. As Apostle Paul, who, ha who was of the tribe of Benjamin wrote, uh, the Judites who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles. Yeah, the, 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 to the nations, the, right, the, to the, the dispersion. Dispersions. Exactly, yeah. very good. That they might 
and might be saved to fill up their, their sin always, for the wrath is come upon them um, to the uttermost. But when you look here, they say, yeah, yeah the Judites, but yeah, some of this, I guess, this is a bit mixed, I guess, the one that killed right. Jesus Christ, they were both, I mean, it was, of course, the Edomites that instigated, right. the Edomites used it instead, instead, but it still was also some of the our own Judites that also did participate right. in it. That was why, as as we see in, in the books of Acts, when they are cut to, cut to the heart, because then they realize what they have done. Yeah, and uh, certainly the Edomite Pharisees would not have been cut to the heart. They did exactly what they were planning on doing, and knowingly, it would, and would not have repented for it. So here, the correct translation of Jew would be Judeans, because that would encompass both the Edomite Jews, who were basically the ringleaders and instigators of the crucifixion, and the Judahites who were taken in by them. Okay, Just as we have today, uh, the so-called Christians, they are Judeo-Christians because they believe the Jews are the Judahites and or Israelites of the Bible. And of course, that's a lie. All right. So, yeah, so here, when we're talking about the mixed multitude in Judea, then the proper translation would be Judeans. Okay? Yeah, that is the most uh, appropriate yeah. because here we speak about both, both Edomites and also the, yes. the, the true Judites. They are exactly. both wrapped into that. that. Yeah, the precise and language is extremely important in translating the Bible. <laughs> okay. Yeah, otherwise we get confused. And then as I also said, forbidding us to speak to the to the dispersion. I don't know if that would be the Judites. Would they, would they forbid us to speak to our, our cousins? That well, sounds more like an Edomite trick. Well, it is an Edomite trick, but however, there was the factor of what we would call tribal arrogance among the Judahites. I mean, Peter and Paul, Paul had to explain to Peter, don't look down on your brethren the dispersion, because they were forgiven at Calvary just as you were, okay? And that whole vision in Acts chapter 10, you know, the, uh, the magic carpet, where, with all of the animals on it, right? Uh, that was to explain to Peter that you shouldn't be looking down on your distant brethren in the dispersion, okay? Because they they were uh, forgiven at Calvary, just as the house of Judah was, okay? Paul had to explain that to Peter, okay? So there was, and there's intertribal arrogance. There is, you know? The, the British looked down on the Germans, <laughs> all right? <laughs> The Danes look down on the Swedes, etc. Okay? There is intertribal arrogance, and that, that's what that is all about. Back to you. Mm, yeah, okay, yeah, I can I can attribute I can understand that. Yeah, there is there is still that today, I guess, between our nations that have been transformed now under the New Testament. So now we regard us as yeah. as American, as Swedes, as Danes, as Norwegian, the transformation. But it still have that, and we also have this Come on, we have that bloody history of war against each other. With each other, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And here in America, we have this doctrine called Manifest Destiny, okay? That was actually started by the South in their in the attempt to uh, grab uh, Mexico for the uh, as a southern slave state, <laughs> right? They wanted to attach Mexico to the southern states and make it part of the United States. As they also wanted to attach Cuba as a slave state. And so there was this manifest destiny, uh, which was really a horrible doctrine, you know, which said we can go out and conquer any nation we want because we're Americans, right? And that's kind of, that's bad. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, if we're going to go to war with somebody, it better be for a good reason. Back to you. Yeah, not to make slaves of them. That sounds like arrogance, like pride. That's right. Manifest destiny. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, so let's continue. And this was a quote you had from the First Thessalonians two fourteen until sixteen. So here is his uh, descriptions also. The apostles of one, the eleven were of the small tribe of Benjamin, call upon the house of Judah to repent of their sins, that the lost ten tribes, yeah, the dispersion, the house yep. of Israel, soon could receive the gospel of Jesus. Um, therefore shall all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye, Judah have crucified both Lord and Christ. So that maybe there we should said not Judah but Judean. Right, right. Wherever the mixed multitude is being referenced, uh, it should be Judean, not Judah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, in the gospel, Jesus lets the, the disciples hear to whom he was sent, but he answered and said, "I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Yeah, here is the exclusive message that we are so familiar with yes. from Matthew fifteen twenty four, and that one that I guess the modern day churches won't touch with a ten foot uh, ten foot pole. Yeah, but they'll dance around it with a yarmulke. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm gonna hide it. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so please continue. I was going to interject yeah. something here, but I'll save it for a more appropriate time. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, after the Ascension Day and, and Pentecost, the apostles obeyed the commandments of their Lord Jesus unto them and went specifically uh, uh, to the lost ship of the house of Israel. The missionary journeys that we read of, uh, of in the Acts of the Apostles all went in one direction, toward Europe. Paul and the other apostles journeyed to Asia Minor, um, Cyprus, Greece and Rome. The epistles in the New Testament are written to the Christian assemblies in Asia Minor, Greece, and Rome. Right. Okay, well, actually, this is an appropriate uh, time where uh, Yahshua gave the Great Commission to the apostles. And uh, basically, it's the same thing, go unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But he says, uh, into the cities of Samaria enter ye not. Okay. And uh, Paul English asked a question about that in the Skype chat room. And it's a good question. Why, you know, why should the apostles avoid Samaria when actually later on Yahshua had traveled through Samaria on his way back to Galilee? And he was accosted by the Syrophoenician woman at the well. And he personally addressed her, unlike the Canaanite woman who uh, begged his uh, audience and he eventually consented, even though the apostles said, don't talk to her, she's a Canaanite, <laughs> right? And But she she acknowledged, the Canaanite woman acknowledged, and this is Matthew 15, 24, acknowledged that he was the son of David, which many Judahites hadn't, hadn't even done, okay? So for that reason, he told her, I cannot give you the children's bread. I mean, I cannot give you the covenant, which belongs only to the house of Israel, but I will heal your daughter. Okay, so he did a, a nice gesture for her. But at the same time, he had to go through Samaria because Samaria lay directly between uh, Judah and Benjamin, or Galilee. Okay, so he had no choice but to go through that country. 
But the reason why, in my opinion, having thought about it, uh, excellent question by Paul, was because there weren't enough Israelites in Samaria to worth bothering about. It was it was hostile territory for Israel, and they would be wasting their time, just like New York City <laughs> is hostile territory for true Israelites. Over to you. Ah, okay, yeah, that makes, yeah, why wait? we shouldn't waste our time and cast our pearls before swine. Right, so. right. exactly, exactly, all right. No. Okay, let's continue. This is from the apocryphal book of 1st Maccabees, that was approximately 100 BC. And Josephus tells of a correspondence between the king of the Greek city of Sparta and the high priest of the Judahites in Jerusalem. Amen. Um, Amen. The Spartans told, radiant with joy, that they had found that they were of the same stock as the Judahites. So, Arius, king of the Lacedaemonians. Okay, I can't pronounce it. Sorry. Lacedaemonians. Lacedaemonians. There you go. The rain in Spain falls mainly. Back to you. You please help me out. I will. Lacedaemonians. It's a tough one. I have trouble with Peloponnesus. Right? But back to you. We're doing better than last week. Yeah, to um, Onias, the high priest. Greetings. Uh, it is found in writing that the Lacedaemonians Le- 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 right. are brethren and that they are of the same stock of Abraham. First Maccabees, yeah. Okay, so let me just do a, a brief bit of explanation. The Lacedaemonians, the Spartans, the Romans, the uh, some Greeks... In fact, uh, oh, I'm trying to think, uh, the Dorian Greeks were actually Israelites. And, of course, the Gaels of Britain. Um, Most Spaniards around this time were actually Israelites. Uh, The Irish were Israelites. The Germans were Israelites. Uh, And, of course, the Scandinavians and the French were Israelites as well. So we were all over the place in Europe. So, uh, but this was a little earlier on. But uh, the house of Judah had migrated uh, away, and uh, in fact, all 12 tribes had migrated away from Palestine, started migrating away from Palestine before the Assyrian invasion. Most of these Israelites realized they saw the handwriting on the wall, and they migrated west and north from Palestine. And the Lacedaemonians are one of those groups, and they were of the house of Judah, okay? They were Judahites, back to you. Okay, yeah, that was their their joy that they found that out. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they, and this was then in Sparta. So the right. Spartans were of the Judah of of Judah. Exactly. Okay, let's continue then. So the Judahites, who still were the people of God and had the books of the Old Testament, answered the Spartans that they were already aware of this, and this is from uh, Flavius Josephus. Uh, we both joyfully received the epistle and were well pleased with uh, Demotus and Arius. All through, we did not need such a demonstration because we were well satisfied about it from the sacred writings. Yet, did not we think fit for us to begin um, the claim of this relation to you 
uh, least we should seem too early in taking to ourselves the glory given to us by you. Okay, very good. All right, so they're acknowledging their chosenness to each other because they are of the house of Judah. Okay. Yes, they are. All right, okay. So, okay. In, get back to you. Okay, so in their exodus from Egypt, both the two tribes of Judah as well as the ten tribes of Israel had all gone through the Red Sea to reach Mount Sinai, where they received the law of Moses. In the 40 days that Moses received the law, while he stood alone uh, on the top of Mount Sinai, a thick cloud covered the top of the mount, so that the app three million Israelites below the cloud could not see Moses. After this, the Israelites continued their wanderings in the, in the wilderness of Sinai. And when all the people were thirsty, Moses sipped of impatience a rock with his staff and there did pour out water, and all of Israel had their thirst quenched. Okay, all right, let me a quick comment here. This means that the Spartans were Pharaoh's Judah, because they passed under the, uh, the cloud, or the cloud that uh, followed the Israelites from Egypt uh, toward Mount, uh, Mount Sinai. Uh, the other Romans, uh, the Romans uh, in the mainland, they were of Zerah Judah, because they got there much earlier, at least 750 years earlier, starting in 1500 B.C. And so that's true also of the Spaniards, of the Irish, the British, because they are of Zerah-Judah origin. Okay? But here we're being told that these are Pharaoh's Judahites, and uh, they passed under the cloud, and they were at Mount Sinai. Okay? Back to you. Mm -hmm. right. Yes. Uh, so, when Paul is writing to the congregations in, in the Greeks in the Corinth. Paul tells these Greeks that they also hail from these Israelites from the books of Moses. Uh, moreover, brethren, I would not uh, that ye be ignorant, that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that flow that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Amen. And this is First Corinthians ten, one until four. And he also wants you to want us to compare Ezekiel twenty thirty six. Okay, I'll look that up while you continue. Okay, Ezekiel. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. Uh, it did lie heavenly upon Paul's heart that these uh, Christian Greeks did not forget their Israelitish origin when they read about his epistle in the con congregations in Corinth in Greece in the year 55, 55 AD. How much more are the words of Paul not addressed to the Christian Danes in the church in uh, Corinth on Finn? And Finn is uh, that is in Denmark. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. All right, so I, I'm going to just read um, Ezekiel 20, 35-37. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people, and there will I plead with you face to face, like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So will I plead with you, saith Yahweh Elohim, and I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. Uh, and then, uh, 
verse 38 is very important too. And I will purge out from among you the rebels, and them that against me, I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So there were rebels among the Israelites. In fact, the vast majority of these Israelites never did see never did see Palestine. The vast majority, only actually only two surviving members of the original uh, group that left Egypt went into Palestine uh, and uh, lived through the entire 40-year journey, okay? And uh, that was uh, Joshua, and uh, I'm trying to remember, Joshua of the house of Ephraim, and the other uh, guy of uh, Moses didn't even make it across Palestine. He was told by Yahweh to stay put and not cross the Jordan River into into Canaan land, which ultimately became Israel. So anyway, it was the house of Judah. Maybe somebody in the chat room remembers who who that was uh, of the house of Judah. Back to you. Yeah, yeah, I remember that as well. It's that not all of them, there was only two of them that did did make it and, and Moses he didn't either see it. He didn't see right. the fulfillment of their of the and then same with I said also with, with the priest, um with um, now I forgot his name. Oh at all. Caleb. Um, uh, Caleb it will come Caleb, huh? Caleb was the, of the house of Judah. Joshua yeah. the house of Ephraim or Joseph and uh, Caleb of the house of Judah. Thank you thank you Bavarian man. Okay, so okay. let's continue now with the Greeks and uh, Troy. One of the most important of the Greek tribes was the Danites, who said that they hailed from slaves from Egypt. Um, Sum writes that the Vaner, uh, the Danes, had a special connection to Greece, where Snorre tell, tells us in um, Gull Fanging uh, that the Asher had lived in Troy. The Trojans were not Greeks. No, they weren't the modern-day Greeks in a way, because, the, I mean, the modern-day Greeks are not the Israelites. But right. Well, they, the, the, the Trojans were actually descended from Zarajudah, okay, from the, from, uh, the Egyptian captivity. So, but they were related, you know, they were brethren, but after 750 years and, and possibly more of separation, they would not have recognized each other would not have spoken the same language, so it would have been difficult for them to get along, even though they were blood brothers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and here, and Snorri tells also that um, that Aser, that Aser, did live in, in Troy as well, so that is the, I guess, the tri tribal man of, of Asher, and, and, and that is probably the man of, of Odin's, uh, um, That's of, correct. His, of his men. Amen, yes. Okay, so let's continue. Specifically, uh, the Danes' connection to ancient Greece was so important that uh, to no, so was so important to Saxo that he, in the very first reference in, in Danmark's Kronike, mentioned the Norman chronicles Dudo, who believed that the Danes hailed from from the Greek tribe of Dan. What Dudo actually wrote approximately in the year 1080 was. Dossi are by their own called Danai or Dani and commended themselves of hailing from Antenor who fled from um, Illyria after the destruction of Troy. Okay, and Troy was a, a Zara, I mean, a Pharaoh's Judah. Uh, I'm sorry, that was uh, Troy was Zara Judah. Okay, going back to 1500 BC. But the uh, Lacedaemonians 
were of Pharaoh's Judah. Okay, but they were still kin. That I would expect they would have a similar language, but uh, who knows? <laughs> All right, back to you. Okay, so here we have the um, archaeologist archeolo- uh, Dr. Cyrus Gordon, who was uh, called the greatest American um, archaeologist of the 20th century, wrote about the, the journey of the Israelite tribe of Dan to Greece, Ireland, and Denmark. This is the journey. I don't know what to say that. I mean, get, yeah. okay, you, well, Elden Ben, Mali. So this is maybe correct term here. Yeah, this is a historic, uh, contemporary Jew. We're talking 9th century AD. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, yeah. And he has already written in the Middle Age, 9th century AD, in a letter to the uh, Jews in Spain. Um, in Jeroboam's day, 975 BC, Dan refused, refused to shed his brother's blood, and rather than go to war with Judah, he left the uh, country and went in a body to Greece, Javan, and to Denmark. It's interesting here that yes. he, in his quote, he is referring it to the correct one. He said right. Judah. That's right. Yeah. It's not hard to use a proper language. <laughs> Right, but uh, the the Jews in modern times have basically equated the word Jew with Judah, and of course that's a lie. Judean is you know Jews and Judeans are more appropriate. That's actually the origin of the word Jew. It comes from Judean, or in, in Germanic, and I think most European languages. Yuda, okay, Yuda is a reference to Judea, okay, as opposed to Yuda, which is a reference to the tribe of Judah. Okay, back to you. Yeah, and that's how we pronounce it here, is Judah. Okay, good. Okay, so, um, and this, this person that is mentioned here, Cyrus Gordon, is someone that you know also? Uh, I've heard of him, but I haven't uh, studied his uh, work. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting to see here that the Danites, they refused to do that, so they, they abided in boats instead. They did they, they, go to Greece and also then to Denmark. Right, but and this is part of that uh, that middle wave of uh, you know of uh, migration by the Israelites from Palestine, and uh, there was actually several waves. But the three major waves: the first one from from Egypt, led by Zarajuda. The second wave uh, uh, from the uh, Middle East, from the ten northern tribes, which uh, apparently some. Uh, the Dan, the Danites refused to go to war with Judah because we had the internecine warfare between the ten northern tribes, the house of Israel, and the two southern tribes, the house of Judah. And what he's saying here is the tribe of Dan refused to engage in that warfare and took off. Or at least many of them did. Okay, not all of them, but most of them did. And so this, uh, the ongoing migration of the twelve tribes, and then the final wave was overland. And that's the, the Camarioi. That middle wave was the Camarioi, uh, which are named after King Amri, House of Amri. And then the final wave is the Germanic wave of Pharaoh's Judah in, into Europe, the, the Germans. We'll get, we'll get to that in this article. Back to you. Yes. Okay, now we are to, to this one. Uh, he uses the, uh, the, I think the word is wrong, so we use the dispersion Christians of okay. Rome, the ten tribes. Yes. Um, because they are also, I mean, um, Sarah Judah is, no, yeah, Sarah Judah is also regarded as one of the dispersions because they yes. left, uh, yeah, they left before. 
I, I would say they're also in, including that. Yes, very good. Mm. Okay, so on to the Christians in Rome, whom he calls the dispersion. I don't know if Paul uses the word Gentiles. I don't think he does use that. No, no, there, there was no such word in either Hebrew or Greek. Uh, the word is in uh, is Greek is uh, a, a nation. Okay, translate. It, it should always be nation, and the context of the verse will tell us what nation it is or what combination of nations. Back to you. Yeah, Ethnos. we shouldn't yeah. use that. We use the right. dispersions or the nations. So Yes, exactly. So, Paul writes that Abraham is their ancestor. Uh, what shall we say, then, that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found, and this is from Romans 4.1, um, the okay. latest Danish authorized version of the Bible from 1992 renders this verse, Abraham, the ancestor of our people. Right, and right. Paul both call, calls himself uh, the sender and the Christian and the Christian dispersion in Rome. The receivers, uh, the receivers, yes. or the fleshly descendants of Abraham. Amen. Uh, As pertaining to the flesh, can only mean blood descendants, seed line descendants, bloodline descendants. You know, the the. Uh, what do you call it? the promises made to Abraham? The covenant made to Abraham was to Abraham and his, and his descendants, those coming after them, which means only direct descendants of Abraham and Sarah can be counted as the covenant people. Right? There's no, there's nothing in Scripture, including the writings of Paul, which suggests that non-Israelite people, especially those of other races, can be grafted in and become Israelites or spiritual Israelites, as the Judeo, you know, uh, I'm trying to not to use a pejorative here. <laughs> the so-called Judeo-Christians constantly preached this multicultural version of Christianity. That is fake. That is nonsense. The Bible teaches no such thing. Back to you. Yeah, you can only be grafted in if you belong to that olive tree from the from the beginning. You can't Amen. graft in an, an apple an apple tree with an orange tree or whatever. You you, yeah, can't. you can't. You can't. You can't. It doesn't work. Oh, All right. Impossible. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's continue. The martyr apostle Stephen uses the same uh, phrases of himself and the uh, Judahite council in Acts seven two as Paul does of himself and the Roman dispersion Christians. Okay, um, let's see there. Uh, in the middle of the epistle of, uh, to the Romans are the chapter to be found, that is 9, 10, and 11, which in particular pertains to the ten tribes, um, vs. the two tribes. Paul describes that out of the uh, six fleshly sons of Abraham, God only continued his covenant with one son, namely Isaac. And Paul uh, comes with another example. Isaac had two fleshly sons, Jacob and Esau. Both God only continues covenant with Jacob. Paul then comes to the prophet Hosea in the end of the Old Testament, who concerning the captivity of the ten tribes prophesied that God would cast them away temporarily and call them not my people. Amen. And wasn't that also that that uh, daughter that it was a name that is has translated this to this? Yes, Loami, not my people. Yeah. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Hosea also writes that the two tribes of Judah at this point of time will remain the people of God to the to the dispersing Christians in Rome. Paul then writes in the year 61 AD that they are this not my people who have been found by God and again have become my people. Yes, because Jesus Christ has returned and he has the Messiah right. come. That is the key. To all 12, he came to all 12 tribes, not just to the house of Judah. Okay. Yes, yep. exactly. And that mm -hmm. is what they try to preach here to the Romans and to us in Europe. To right. The Scythians and yeah, we were a bit stiff-necked though. Yeah, and with proper translation, this next quotation will will be may, be made much clearer. Back to you. Okay, even us, uh, whom he hath called, not of the Judahites only, but also of the dispersion, as he said also in O.C., I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. And this is from Romans 9, 24 unto 26. So do you have any comments on that? Well, yes. Uh, it's, this is a major verse and a, and a major prophecy that uh, Paul is addressing both the house of Judah in Palestine and the dispersion primarily located in Rome, okay? That dispersion in Rome was consisting mainly of Zarah the broken-off branch, which he discusses further in the book of Romans. So anybody who suggests and that uh, Paul is telling uh, the house of Judah that you should invite non-Israelites into your congregation and, and call them Christian Israelites, balderdash it's absolute bunk no no other word because those people as paul is admitting are of the broken off branch zerah judah therefore they are even though they're of the house of judah but they were broken off way earlier 1500 bc they are nevertheless part of the dispersion okay and have to be counted as uh, among the 10 lost tribes or the 10 tribes that were cast away put away in punishment that's what the actual word lost means from the Greek, put away in punishment, that uh, they have to be counted among the dispersion because they didn't go under the tree. I mean, sorry, they didn't go under the cloud or uh, across the Red Sea, nor were they at Sinai. So they have to be counted among the dispersion, not Gentiles. Dispersion, back to you. Yeah. But then, I guess, now maybe I'm not, because under the cloud, I guess, both the tribes of Dan, Asher, and Naphtali did went under yes. the cloud, but they were among the ten tribes that were cast out. Right, so, exactly. So, so they are also part of the dispersion. The only people that are not part of the dispersion are Pharaoh's Judah, which would include the, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. Those are the only two groups that remained in Palestine to receive Yahshua Messiah. Okay, that's the house of Judah in Palestine. The rest are all dispersion, even though it includes some Judahites, especially uh, Zerah Judah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's good. Okay, so in this context, um, Paul refers to himself as a Benjaminite of the house of Judah, as a Judahite. Yes, he does. House of Judah. 
Okay. So, so, so you know, I mean, uh, it's it's so clear when when you remove these two words, Jew, and Gentile, which are horrible translations of the original Hebrew and Greek, then and you use words that properly denote the ethnic and racial origin of the twelve tribes, such as Judah, and and um, and dispersed, okay, because the word dispersed refers exclusively to Israelites, not to non-Israelites or everybody in the world, okay, as the word Gentile is understood by vast majority of people today. When you confine the language to the covenant people, which is what we're supposed to do, then everything clears up. And we find that Paul is not a universalist, as people falsely accuse him of, but it's all because of the horrible translations, and I, in my opinion, uh, Michael, the deliberate universalization of the text by not just you know uh, Catholics, because the word Catholic means universal, but also in the King James Version. The King James Version picks up the universalism of the Roman Catholic faith because it's actually a daughter of Rome, okay? Anglicanism is a daughter of Rome, and they've uh, continued many of the false traditions of the Catholic Church in the King James Version. All right, back to you. Mm, yeah, and that was, I guess, also one of the reasons why your forefathers didn't use the King James. You did uh, use the Geneva Bible. That's right. Amen. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I have read my the Bible that was in the same time as the King James. That they're more for our past kings, and the, I would say the most recent one that was where it did also include apocrypha was the uh, Colin Tolfte's uh, Bible. That was that was the latest one. That was the most also I guess the most uh, that was the most expensive. They regarded the art of art of work that was done during this time when it was done. And that was yeah, they spent a lot of money to do it and a lot of effort to do it. That was a real artwork. Yeah, and uh, uh, who was Tyndale? Uh, I think he was executed for writing a, uh, a translation of the Hebrew directly into English. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. This is how uh, how Europe was being bludgeoned with universalism in those days. Okay, both from yeah. the Catholic Church and from the the various Protestant denominations that survived the Thirty Years' War. Wow. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but then we didn't have those problems that we have now with the multi with this. All right. say this uh, all the yeah. other one that comes in here and wants to take part of our covenant or try to. Yeah. Well, we were only the, the tribes of Israel in Europe then. So, right. yeah. but the, I guess that was laying the laying the, the that was the they was laying the art the work for the coming this coming time. I guess. Right. Right. Well, I mean, the confusion still applies in the world today because we wouldn't have all this universalism if it weren't for this confusion of translations, okay? But uh, we have to understand that the Roman Catholic Church was a, an imperial force. They did, not, they did not convert people by preaching. They converted people by force, okay? So did the Anglican Church. They converted people by force. You were either Anglican or you were cast out or killed, all right? This is why the... Pilgrims came to America. They were trying to get away from both the Roman Catholic imperialism and the British imperialism and came to America with, guess what, folks, with the Geneva Bible, 
Not the King James Bible, but that's the story. We're going to get into that because uh, this is the 400-year anniversary. November 21st is when the pilgrims landed in, um, in America, in the cold climes of North America at uh, Plymouth Rock. And uh, they brought with them the Geneva Bible, and they believed in the laws of Moses, and they're the ones who created America. It was not the King James Version that they brought with them, okay? That was not, uh, that was brought by the Anglicans, you know, to Virginia, etc., etc. So this conflict between the Geneva Bible and the King James Bible is still extant today, and rightfully so, because the KJV is not, is not exemplary. It's not an exemplary translation. It's a poor translation. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah, I have one of the Geneva Bibles from I think 1560. Is the okay. copy I have from, but it is an is a copy of it. But still, that's the text that is scanned from it. Yes. Yeah. And the and the comments by the authors, by the translators, who were apparently a committee of Israel, European Israelites, who uh, took it upon themselves to translate uh, the Old and New Testament did a way, in my, better, in my opinion, a way better job than the King James translators. Okay? And their comments are really good. It's, a, it's an annotated Bible, and it's worth, a, it's worth it to anybody to get a copy of the Geneva Bible just to read their comments. Okay? Back to you. Yeah, and wasn't it also the case with, I don't know if you, was you, if you were the one that told me that, that, that the old one, what do you say, that's worked with the translation of the King James Bible did die very violent death? Yeah, I, no, I, I, we read that somewhere. It wasn't, uh, I, I think we, we did a part of the series, but no, I didn't say that. Somebody, that was something you read, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Mm, yeah, but that's that kind be, of interesting. Mm-hmm. That then, because that is, I believe, that's a way of judgment toward those people. <laughs> right. I will look that up while you, while you continue reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. if if you die a violent death because of something you did in in the Bible, then you have violated. It. That is my opinion. Then you 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 reap your <laughs> your you reap what you sow. Right. Well, it's it's very obvious that King James himself gave the translators instructions. On how to translate, you know, which he, not being a, a, a scholar, had no business doing that. He should have let the translators have a free reign. But he wanted to establish himself as a tyrant over the British people. And so he wanted the British people to believe a version of scripture which would make him the reigning monarch. Now, if he's indeed a blood descendant of King David, he would have been that anyway. Okay. Whether he realized that or not, but he, his motivation was simply to be a tyrant and be a you know a lord over the British people and whatever country the British conquered. Okay, again, imperialism. Yeah, and that's, this is the poor with with kings. Some of the kings we had were good, and then we have those poor kings. We have those evil kings that comes on the throne, and and we all experience them. That are that are evil. They are they forget where they come from. They forget their divine work they have when they have this have the throne yes yeah okay so uh yeah uh, please continue i'm looking up there there's a limited number of stories about this but uh you know we'll see if we can get at the facts the bloody history of bible of bible translators <laughs> i guess if you t- if you take it upon yourself to translate a bible with, without permission of of king james right uh then uh, so whoever took uh, vengeance upon them, 
is probably a good story. Okay, uh, I don't say anything really definitive here, but uh, this first article says, yeah, they many of them died a bloody death. Uh, that should be a show in itself. We can maybe save this for the future. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All okay. right. I can okay. continue while, while yeah. you're checking. Yeah. And uh, the prophecy of Hosea, which Paul fulfilled, continues with a promise which should uh, characterize the ten tribes of Israel, the dispersion, after they have come, become my people. Yet the numbers of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye, uh, ye are not my people, there is it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. And this is from Hosea 1.10. And this, uh, Pastor Eli, is something, yeah, this can only fulfill to us to be the sand of the sea. That's right. It cannot be measured because we are, we have, we were among the most numerous people upon the earth once a time before the yes. First World War broke out. So right. this can only apply to us. Right. We were 30% of the world population before World War One. And uh, now we're only 10% of the world population, thanks to all those wars staged by the Jews, okay? The Jewish people have always been a minuscule number of people, but they control the econo economic, you know, uh, features of the, of the world, not just the government, but of the world. And because, because of that, they have more power than we do, but they cannot be counted as the sands of the sea or the stars in the sky. Only we, Caucasian Israelites, fulfill that prophecy. Back to you. Mm -hmm. yeah yes that is and, and we have number of nations they have none mm -hmm. so that's that is right. also one of they are vagabonds and and right. that's one of the curses to them and yeah. that's still fulfilled in them uh, it's too bad that prophecy didn't say you'd be vagabonds wanderers and bankers <laughs> right but it doesn't say that so i'm not going to add any words to the scriptures i'd like to but yeah. i can't but they they eat our dust oh man that's for sure I don't know if, if banking is a way to eating the dust. Well, they followed us. That means they followed us around wherever we go, okay? And so we build civilizations, and they, uh, and they come after we've built the civilization. They take advantage of us with their banking. So they have to follow, eat our dust by following us around wherever we go. So probably maybe there you got to end your banking. And oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. The Christian people of Europe have always had a natural preference for the New Testament and the Old Testament, Paul and Hosea, and they are the children of the living God, EIA, Christians. The Christian people of Europe have always been numerous as the sand of the sea, hundreds of millions of in individuals. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. all right, well here, here's a really good article, I'll share this too, uh, but still this is worthy of a show in itself, just one, uh, kingjamesbibletranslators.org, uh, it says, one translator died in his 30s, six in their 40s, 19 in their 50s, 16 in their 60s, four in their 70s, three in their 80s, and one over, one over 100. Nine of the translators died before the KJV was published in 1611. Um, so uh, it doesn't sound like a real you know, judgment upon them, but they were a diverse group who were, had different beliefs. Some were Calvinists, some weren't. Uh, so they might have had arguments among themselves. But uh, they had to take orders from King James, which uh, he, uh, were actually pu published in the f original 1611 King James Version. 
uh, King James instructions to the translation committee are contained there, and uh, those are worth going over as well. Okay, back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be a show for for the coming on the put in the for the yeah. future. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Benjamite apostle Peter, in his first epistle, uses exactly the same words which God gave unto the twelve tribes of Israel at Mount Sinai, and which God expressly said, "We are unto Israel." And Peter lets these words of God unto Israel be fulfilled in the first Christians. Please compare it to Exodus 19.6 and 1 Peter um, 2, 9 until 10. So, uh, while I read, we can, we can maybe look up for that. What is that? What's his reference here? Okay, uh, hold on. I was typing something in the chat room. Uh, where are we at? Acts 7.2? Um, yeah, we are the, comparing Exodus 19.6 oh, okay. and 1 Peter to 9 until 10. Yes, okay. Very good. Okay, I'll look that up. Thank you. Yes, and I can then read one other very famous verse. I think that you have quoted many times, Pastor Eli. Uh, yeah, okay. The Apostle James, bright and plain words to the 12 tribes of Israel in the dispersion. Ah, here it gets correct. In the dispersion. Right. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. The dispersion. <laughs> right. Scattered abroad. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the apostles knew that the dispersion, you know, we're talking about the house of Judah. They knew that the dispersion existed and were in regular contact with them as James' epistle proves. Okay. That's because that's who that epistle is addressed to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. This this also, when you read it, scattered abroad. It was giving you some clue. Right? <laughs> no, that meant, that doesn't make any sense to me, Michael. I, I have no idea what that means. All right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're spiritual lights. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, yes. Okay, I can write this. I write, uh, read this last, and then we're going to check this Exodus and First Peter. Yeah. So, it surely is written in the New Testament, but... Uh, God's Bible lexicon can tell us that the ancient Christian con- congregation saw itself as a holy people of God Amen. who were the literal descendants of the 12 tribes of Israel. Ah, yeah. Not correct. Yeah, very good. All right, Exodus 19:6 says, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Holy is dedicated, kadosh, which means separated. From the from others, okay, kadosh and the the word for various words for holy, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, mean both dedicated and separated from the other nations. Okay, that's what those words really mean. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, who were commanded to be separate from all the other people on the face of the earth. Okay. That's what the word holy really means. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then if you check then First Peter um, 2, yes. 9 until 10. Yeah. Oh, and first, one more comment here. The, the proof that that word means separated from or dedicated to Yahweh and that it doesn't mean righteous or pious is the history of the Israelites themselves. The vast majority were not righteous or pious. 
The vast majority were rebellious, as is proven by the ten tribes themselves, okay? So there's no way that the word holy can mean righteous or pious in the historical context of the Old Testament. Cannot. Mm -hmm. Okay? And in the New Testament, that applies as well. Paul, uh, addressing the Romans, who were of the house of Judah, whether Pharaohs or Zerah, said, you people are hypocrites. You, you say you practice the law, but in fact, you violate it constantly. Okay? He accused them of hypocrisy. Back to you. Yeah, okay. So when we read this, we see this is, a ref, this is the same reference. When it, so I can start to read here. First Peter 2.9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, yes. and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shoot forth... Uh, the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his ma- marvelous light, yeah. which is in his, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Yes, here's the dispersion. Yeah. The one that haven't received the mercy, now they have. Yeah. Could he possibly be talking about the entire non-Israelite world? No. No, because he's referring to the prophecies and their fulfillment, which were only regarding the Israelites. Okay? So, chosen, I've got the verse here, eclectos, select, by implication, favorite, my chosen people, favorite people, a royal priesthood and royal, why? Well, because Basilios, kingly, a kingdom of priests, all right? We're supposed to be a kingdom of priests. Uh, and priesthood, hieratuma, hieratuma, and that is a priestly fraternity. Holy in the Greek, uh, yeah, they say sacred, hagios, but it also means set apart. Set apart. Nation, ethnos, okay? The definition, a race. A race, a tribe. Peculiar, what does peculiar mean? It's ice, E-I-S, which normally means one. Uh, So a a, a unified people should be uh, considered as a unified people. I don't know why it's translated peculiar here, but that's the way they translated it. And people, laos, okay? So, again, all of these words have very specific meanings in the Hebrew and the Greek. And, again, the King James Version, maybe because they didn't want to repeat themselves, but uh, the word peculiar, oh, it's actually a combination of two words here. Parapoesis, parapoesis, acquisition, preserved. Okay, so it's a people that have been preserved, that's really what the word peculiar means. Okay, that's good. I like that. Back to you. Okay. Yeah. And then continue with Odin in the Bible. Yeah. Can he be in the Bible. No. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what you have to say. All right. And the greatest author- authorities of the North, such as Snorra. Surely describes the historical Odin as the priest chief of the Aser and Vanner tribes, and who was idolized in such a degree that he later was remembered as a god. Yeah, yeah that that's what did happen. Yeah, I would say. Um, the purely mythological god Odin 
and the legends from the Norse uh, mythology are, however, full of remains and parallels to the Lord, um, Christ, and the Bible. There are also many references to the many idol gods, such as Baal, who Israel worshipped in Canaan, and who were um, the very cause that the Lord let the king of Assyria drive them out, and thus they became the lost ten tribes, the dispersion. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so here, the name of God was or, 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 originally Yahweh, also spelled Jehovah. At a point, uh, the Jewish priest did change Yahweh in the Old Testament to Adonai, which is Greek and means the Lord. In English Bibles, the Lord in the Old Testament is Zeus, uh, originally Adonai and Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yahweh is the correct pronunciation, yeah. Yeah, and Adonai, this is, I don't know, yeah, so here the word uh, Jewish is, I guess, it is apropos, it is correct here to use that. Yeah, Lord, Adonai means Lord or Master, you know, it's a title, okay? And so wherever you have the combination Lord God or Lord Yahweh, or Y-H-W-H, it, it means it's Adonai Yahweh is the original Hebrew there, uh, with the... Adonai being a capital L and lowercase ORD, okay, showing that it's a title. Yeah, and you put emphasis of that it is one, it is one God, so you know it's, it's one, it is this one God. Yes. So otherwise, it's God, those other, that the other worships, uh, Edomites worship, whatever. Yeah, okay. The idol shepherd, very interesting. Okay, yeah, uh, please continue. Yes, so in Hebrew, the name Odin will be. Odin uh, or Odin, and would be the same as Adonai. I therefore do not believe that Odin was the name of the priest chief, but rather the title of a priest chief. In okay. Old Norse, uh, the word name Odin was co um, connection with, I cannot pronounce that, or which means spirit or creating energy. According to the commentary to Völvens uh, Spådom, uh, Völvespån, by Preben Mellengracht Sörensen and Gro uh, Steinsland, I therefore believe that Odin was a title which meant Lord, um, Square, or Ruler. Okay, this is very interesting that the derivation of the title and ultimately became his name. Okay, Odin derives from Adonai. Very interesting. That is very plausible, and uh, it certainly fits, because Odin would also have been of the house of Judah, of the tribe of Judah, and a descendant of David. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, right, okay, and because the Israelites the ten, of the ten lost tribes, the dispersed tribes, were in the habit of selecting uh, Zara, uh, Zara and or Pharaoh's Judah, Judahites to lead the, to become the leaders of their tribes. It's a, it's a tradition going back to you know King David. Okay, so they would have done that if they could, if they could. So apparently, Odin was one one such person. Back to you. Yeah, and I have done a show also where I did. I think I found out. I don't know if that's true, but 
It makes sense that the name that Odin, that his true name wasn't Odin, that is the reference to a title. Instead, it is, I believe it should be um, Sigge Frudelsson. And why would I say that? Because I know that, that Odin or Sigge did found one of the oldest cities in Sweden. And that town is called Sigtuna. Okay. It had the same name as you see in Sigge. They are very closely okay. related. So yeah. that's why I believe his name was Sigge son. Okay, so what does Sigge mean? Any idea? Yeah, Sigge, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, his, his name. And then um, Sigtuna was this, this city that where he, he deal he, the old Sigtuna. Okay. That is, I believe that is up in called Gamla Uppsala. That is where... Okay. He, he did. He did uh, fin- that. Where he landed, and where he he he. Um, yeah. Okay. So and the the lord, the lord or uh, or leader, uh, Sigia. Okay. That yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I would, I would think that. Okay. Very good. And he is, I believe, because they have done some digging stuff there in in Gamla Uppsala. I believe that's where he did uh, he did settle and where he did die. Yeah. Okay. And it was from there that he he kept kept waging war against the Romans. Mm-hmm. That was something that was in him since because it was the Romans that did persecute him. Right, but uh, even that that was more intertribal warfare among the people of Israel, right? But they didn't know it because you know the house of Pharez and the house of uh, Zerah had been separated for. You know, by the time they started making war against each other in the Roman slash Germanic wars, okay, the, a thousand years had passed or more, okay. But these mm-hmm. were intertribal wars. That's what they were. Back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. No, it was. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, those system are turned against us. So I guess those were run then later by the by the by Edomite Jews. So they were run by them to persecute us. Yes. Okay, very interesting. So, therefore, there has probably been more than one Odin. Both um, Sum and Heyerdahl speak of three Odins, of which the last one was him who founded the temples in Uppsala. As you just mentioned. Very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I believe that the kings of the Aser and the Van very well were called Odin, all the way from the time in Azerbaijan and Turkland. Okay, excellent. So again, the, the linguistic evidence of the migrations of the 12 tribes all fits it with, uh, you know, with our historical presentations that we've been doing. So, And we haven't even touched on the linguistics much at all, although this article gets into it a little bit. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, great parts of the 10 tribes in Northern Europe worship and exalt ex- ex- exalted a mortal man as their ruler at the very same time in which Jesus appeared for the two tribes of Judah in the promised land. Yeah, uh, ancestor worship, (laughs) right? A lot of this is pure ancestor worship and uh, little else, along with the pagan traditions that they carried along with them, ancestor worship. Back to you. Yeah, isn't that also going on today? Also, with just Odinists still, but yes. he's a god. But here, right. here we give him the proof. He is not a god. He was right. a person. He was an Israelite. Worship uh, yeah. Odin's god instead. Worship Sigurd's god instead. That makes you yeah. more strong. I would believe. Believe me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, empowered by the goddess, <laughs> right? Freya, 
Freya. All right. After who, I, yeah, uh, after whom Friday is named, right? Yeah, and I know that one of the kings that came came after Odin was named Frey. Freya. It was not a woman. That was a, a man, of course. Really? They weren't. Okay. There were no no women that was kings. Yeah, there were a few. Uh, there were a few queens, uh, Bodisha in uh, Britain. Okay, and uh, of the pagan uh, pagan tribes. Okay, back to you. Yeah, and I know this Frey was also one of the. He was a very liked by the by the people. He was, as they called, very frum. He was a very god. Um, he was very very liked person. But he yeah. was yeah. And okay. I guess those is where the name where you get those names from. Frey, yeah, yeah where you, they come from those. Uh, yeah. And maybe also then, uh, as you said, um, uh, Wednesday or that is on Swedish is Unstag. That's mm-hmm. also it's rings with Odin. Right. Yeah, and, and Germanic is Wotan. So that's where we get Wednesday from, but it's just a version of Odin. That's all it is. Yeah, back to you. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's continue. Uh, one of Luther's most treasured psalms is The Lord is my shepherd, which is uh, devised from the title of David's Psalm 23 in the Old Testament. Jesus also calls himself uh, the good shepherd of the sheep in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Odin, to the contrary, is predicted in the Bible prophecy of the idol shepherd in Zechariah, chapter 11. Now, let me just uh, clarify for the listeners, that is idol, I-D-O-L, not (laughs) I-D-L-E. I-D-O-L, the shepherd of idols. Okay, back to you. Ah, okay, maybe I'm going to pronounce the name. No, no, you pronounce it correct. Uh, but uh, if you're if you're not actually reading the print, uh, you can make the wrong assumption that it means idle in the sense of lazy, <laughs> right? Uh-huh, okay. Okay, back to you. Okay, so uh, in the end of the Old Testament, I will um, dwell into the context later, but, but the prophecy in itself is thus. And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet the instruments of of a foolish shepherd. For lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land, which shall not visit those that be cut off. Neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that uh, that is broken, nor fed that that standeth still. But he shall eat the flesh of the fat, and tear their claws in pieces. Does that mean, does that mean pork? <laughs> Back to you. Just Could speculating. Be. Yep. Okay. Ah, woe to the idle shepherd that uh, leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be cl- clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. Now that would be interesting if Odin was uh, affected in his right eye. Okay. I think, I think there's a reference to his right eye that he didn't have a right eye. And this sword really? that he, uh, upon his arm, I think this was something that, that he instigated Odin, because um, they believed that you, wanted, you, you, you don't want to die on your bed. You want to die in battle. Oh, so then right. they cut themselves, so they have, like, mark on their body. Uh-huh. Right, 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 right. Yeah, That's cheating. That's cheating, Michael, right? And our people have been known to cheat, <laughs> right? But here again, the idle shepherd for the second time is spelled I-D-O-L, not I-D-L-E. Back to you. Yeah, so here he believes that this is uh, a reference to, and here comes some more also. Uh, the Edda says, 
that Odin was blind on the one eye, he was, as he had pawned it to them. Jayat, <laughs> uh, to the Jayat Mimer, whatever that means. Uh, I'll have to look up, I'll have to look up the footnote here. But apparently Odin was blind in one eye. Okay. Yeah, and Proof. That's one of the pictures when you when you see Odin, you always see him with uh, one of his eyes covered. So really, that, that, okay. Yeah, you. I had no idea. Okay, uh, uh, footnote twenty-three in the Norse mythology, the Yetter, spelled J A E T T E R, the Yetter, translated giants, were an earlier creation as different from the gods, the Aesir and the Vanner. Well, that would you know that's biblical. Okay, they would not have confused the giants of the days of um, Noah with the Acer and the Vanner because they were the Acer and the Vanner dating back to the dispersion. The Yetter were also human beings but were described as deceitful, tricky, swarthy, black haired, and with much bodily hair, like the giants, right? The Acer and Vanner frequently intermarried with the. Oh, they did? Whoa, wow, that's bad. The ultimate deceiver and betrayer in Norse mythology, Loki, was a Yetta who lived among the fair Acer and Vanner. Very interesting. Well, there were giants in those days. Okay. Yeah, there were. And Mimer, I think, is a reference to this tree. I, I'm not I'm not good at this mythology, but Mimer, I think, is a reference to, because they had also this reference to this tree. And, of course, that is the living tree. That is a reference right. to the right. living tree. So it shows that uh, the Norse pagans uh, retained much of their Israelite history, but because they were already paganized for several generations before being cast into the wilderness of Europe, they retained much of their pagan uh, you know, beliefs. But the, it's very interesting that they probably ran into giants roaming around Europe because they were all over the world. I mean, in, even in the Americas, every culture in the world has traditions of encountering giants, which they eventually had to exterminate. Because yeah, was, that's when yeah, yeah. So, so if there was you know, now intermarriage, now probably what happened is these giants took fair-haired Norse Israelite women and you know raped them. I I, I really doubt that marriage is the appropriate word here. <laughs> Back to you. Exactly. Yeah, they. Yeah. Uh, that was why they did came down also because they saw those very beautiful white, white yeah. women. Just as happens today. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Luke. Luke. Yeah, that, that's the reference to a giant. Loki. You have reference to giants, and you have also in those you have, as I said, the Austin and Varner. That is biblical as well. So they have biblical stuff, and also the places here you have. They regard him as Asad and as, as Asagod. All those places are, yeah, it is Asgard. the one they found in, in Azerbaijan. Yeah, exactly. That's, those are references to Mesopotamia, where these ten lost tribes, the ten tribes put away in punishment, came from. Very simply, where we came from. Back to you. Yes. Okay, let's see now how he still does more with this verse. So, different English translation gives a more comprehensive understanding of this prophecy. Um, the, I, the idle shepherd will not care for the lost. And this was from the New International Version, verse 16. And he will not seek the scattered. And that is from Berkeley, verse 16. So, uh, the lost 
and scattered that this idle shepherd lets down are the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah, that sounds possible. That sounds yes. to me true. Yeah, but he was not obviously he was not skilled in the scriptures. You know, so how could he how could he regather the tribes? He couldn't. Only Yahshua could do that. Mm-hmm. This, this is probably yeah. what the verse really means. Back to you. Yes. Um, the context in which the idol shepherd is mentioned um, throws much light on the ten tribes and the two tribes at the time of the crucifixion. Okay, so uh, God promised that he will save both the house of Judah and the house of Israel from their degradations. That is Zechariah 8.13. And as a tribe, Judah rejected what could have been the king of the Judahites by hanging him on a cross. Yes. But in Europe, many kindred people which uh, with each its language received the gospel of Christ as their own. And this is from Zechariah 8.23. Those, said the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Judite, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard the, the, that God is with you. Zechariah 8.23. Now, the, probably the number 10 is not to be taken literally. It probably means many, okay? But out of all languages, well, our, our ancestors had created, just as you and I are speaking today, Okay, in English, uh, you're speaking Swedish, I speak German, the Danes speak Danish, etc., etc., etc. So uh, the Israelites, with all of these various languages, will take hold of Messiah. And you know, we're the ones who brought the scriptures to the world. Doesn't mean we should convert them to our religion. But yeah, this, is a, this prophecy was fulfilled. Okay. Mm-hmm. By our people um, and by nobody else. Back to you. Could the ten men, ten men, were reference to the ten lost tribes? The ten. Oh, there, oh, there you go. How did I miss that? <laughs> Excellent. Good point. Yes. Okay, so with all language of the nations, yeah. Yeah, and of course, the, and these same tribes uh, made war against each other. You know, but nevertheless, in spite of all of the intertribal warfare and hostility. Uh, that we were brought together through what, what's called Christianity, but the recognition yeah, that Yahshua, yeah, by the Bible, the recognition that Yahshua Messiah is our true Lord, Savior, Master, etc. Back to you. Yes, that is what may that is what makes us different, and that is what also divides us with other. Right, right, and uh, and of course. Us. Yeah, the pagan, the Norse pagans and British pagans, wherever uh, German pagans, uh, they're still all, all over the place, just as we are. They they fail to see that their paganism derives from ancient uh, uh, Omri and uh, Ahab, you know, the, the the kings, and from Odin. Okay, from their Israelite roots, they do not understand that. And they don't want to hear it either. <laughs> okay. Because they think those are Jews. No, they were Judahites. That's the difference. They were Judahites and Israelites, not Jews. That's where they fail to understand the scriptures. Back to you. Yes, and amen to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next is described that he comes riding into Jerusalem on an ass. 
then there is a shared covenant blood, and the house of Joseph, the ten tribes, will expressly be saved, whereas the house of Judah, to the contrary, will be strengthened. Exactly not ex expressly saved, and that is Zechariah 9, 9, uh, 11, and 10, 10, 6. Okay, that is uh, his reference there. Right. The Gospels tell that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on an ass, and his blood was shed on the cross of um, Golgotha. It was specifically the lost ten tribes who, in particular, received him as a savior, as Jesus himself had said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That is Matthew 15, 24. Yeah, we've read that before. Yes, yeah. Uh, as a reference also Matthew 21, 5. And the word lost means apolumi, means meaning put away in punishment, does not mean spiritually lost or can't find their way you know, in, in the territory. It means put away in punishment. That's what it means. It's a moral, it's a moral condemnation. Okay, back to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess also that is why we have all this pagan practice that was picked up during this time because we were... We were put away. We were put put away from him. So that's had. I guess that is why. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're in the middle of Feast of Tabernacles, and probably the pagans are uh, having their naked orgies in the groves. <laughs> right. That was so much fun. Right. And they don't want to. The, the pagans, our Norse pagans, and other European pagans, don't want to give up that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. Let's continue. Um, then we hear of the traitor who sells his Lord for 30 pieces of silver. And I said unto them, if ye think good, give me my price. And if not, forbear. So they waited for my piece, 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it unto the, the potter, a godly price that I was appraised at of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. That is from Zechariah eleven, twelve unto thirteen. This is also proves that the supernatural of the scriptures that this is a four this tells in beforehand about how Judah, Judas Iscarius did did uh, uh, betray Jesus Christ. Yes. So this the gospel tell the traitor Judas Iscariot. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they um, covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. This is from Matthew 26, 14 until 15. And then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value. That is also Matthew 27, 9. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, here we have of the 12 tribes. It was uh, specifically Judas who did betray Jesus, where the other 11 remained faithful and became the light of the gospel. Right. Jesus... Yeah. yeah. Now, there's not no no real clues to whether or not Judas. Well, there is a clue, but there's no scriptural proof, 100% proof, that Judas Iscariot was an Edomite. But Iscariot is a reference to the town he was born in and lived in, Kerioth. 
Ishkeret Ish means man of Kerioth. And so that town, Kerioth, was right on the border of Judah and Edom. So the likelihood that he was a full-blooded Edomite is very great. Okay, But that's really the only clue we have that he was an Edomite. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jesus had said that the twelve apostles should each represent one of the twelve tribes of Israel. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that uh, ye which have followed me in the re regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And this Matthew 19.28. Those days are um, coming very soon, folks. The Judgment Day is almost here. All right. And we should compare that with Luke twenty-two, twenty-seven, until 30. Right. If you apply this picture of one apostle of each tribe, I ask you, which apostle did betray Jesus? Judas. Uh, which of the 12 tribes killed Jesus? The tribe of Judah, he said. Not, I don't not, know yeah, not, really true. not exactly. Now, here's where he should use the word Jew. <laughs> The Jewish tribe, which is not one of the 12 tribes, uh, the likelihood that Judas was of mixed blood is also possible, right? But if he was of mixed blood, he would be counted as an Edomite, not a Judahite. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, back to you. Okay. Um, the Apostle Judas' betrayal uh, and the tribe of Judas' rejection of Christ is the key to the entire conflict in the New Testament where the Acts of the Apostles are full of stories of the Judites who does everything possible to hinder the Greeks, the, he, the, the dispersion, and yeah, okay, the heathens and the, the dispersion, the ten tribes. Why doesn't he use the ten tribes instead of saying the Gentiles? You have it yeah. correct. Yeah, right, yeah, so just say ten tribes. Yes. Know? Now, the heathens would be non-Israelites, okay? Yeah, they are the non-Israelites. Right, yeah, okay. Um, here, the Gospel... Um, for ye, brethren, become followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the of the Judites. Uh, and of the of Judeans. The Judeans, Judeans should, be, should be Judeans here, yeah. Okay. Yeah, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Yanta, to the, the ten, ten lost tribes of dispersions, that they might be saved to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Okay, so basically what Paul is saying, all those Judahites who were infected by Pharisaic teaching and become followers of the Pharisees, which there were many, all right, uh, just as today we have a lot of Judeo-Christians who are infected with Pharisaism, falsely believing they are Christians, right? Uh, they would reject Yahshua Messiah again because he preaches a totally segregated gospel as the whole Bible does teach rather than the multiculturalism that Judeo-Christianity preaches, okay? There would be tremendous conflict between Yahshua Messiah, were he to come again in a similar manner that he came the first time. They would kill him again. Yeah, unfortunately. They would. And then yes. he would just say, uh, depart from me, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Because they don't teach the covenant message, which is a racially exclusive message. Back to you.
Yeah, that is the key. That is mm -hmm. one of the key that you have to find. Um, yeah, this conflict, uh, the prophecy describes as the break of the bro brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Then I cut asunder mine other staff, even bands, that I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. And in Zechariah 11:14. And I guess here we also have here you see the breaking of the staff, and then we also have the the two right. stick prophecy. That is when they was, come together again. Yes, Ezekiel. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Danish 1948 translation rendered this very interesting as the break of the brother between Judah and the holy city of Jerusalem. Um, okay. The next verses speaks of the idle um, shepherd whom the is whom of Israel in the north should worship when this breach took place, namely when Jesus expired on um, Golgotha. Go very good. Okay. Uh, the next thing which happens is the is that God uh, and Holy Ghost will be poured out over the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the Judites, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness of for his firstborn. That now, is were the, 12, now, were the Pharisees mournful? No. No, absolutely not. They were glad. They were happy to kill Yahshua Messiah. Most happy to kill him. All right. Unfortunately, there were a lot of Judahites who were confused by them and did participate in the execution of Christ. And But when Peter told them, well, actually, he quotes it here. Go ahead. Please continue. Yeah. Uh, this was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, where the Apostle Peter says, on to a large group of Judahite men, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that God has made the same Jesus, whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ. Acts 2.36, yes, very good. Yeah. Okay, one more verse, we're just about out of time, too. Yeah, that is excellent. Okay. So, the prophets of Zechariah continues with Jerusalem being surrounded by armies. Two-thirds of the inhabitants will be killed, the women violated, and the remain remainder of the inhabitants of Jerusalem will be driven into captivity. That is Zechariah 13.8 until 14.2. This did take place in the year of 70 AD by the armies of Rome, in what still today is a saying, the destruction of Jerusalem, where more than one million, I don't know, Judeans were yes, slain. Yes, correct. And but 70,000 escaped. And no, the 70,000 were Judahites who eventually became Christians. Okay. So it is possible to have Judahite Christians, but it is not possible to have Jewish Christians. Those two are mutually exclusive, both in terms of religion and race. Okay? That's how we need yes. to understand this. Okay? Even today, uh, I forget who, I was talking with this about, uh, about this with Andy in a recent show, that there, there may be two Jews, the people we know as Jews, the Edomites, who actually claim to have converted to Christianity. Throughout all of history, only two Jews I'm aware of actually claim to become Christians. 
One is Brother Nathaniel, <laughs> but he's an Orthodox Christian, all right? And the other was Benjamin Friedman, all right? No other Jew in history has even claimed to have converted to Christianity. There's no possibility of having a Jewish Christian, Okay. Back to you. This, uh, and we're, uh, okay, well, actually, we're at the end of this uh, section. So we already did an uh, extensive discussion of the dolmens in European, European history, because what we were talking about the maps uh, of uh, Israelite, the migrational maps along the rivers. I think that was episode three, if I'm not mistaken. So that information is contained in there. So next week, we will continue with the Semitic origin of the runes. Now we're starting to get into language. Okay. Yeah. This All right. Linguistic, this, and those runes, yeah. yeah. I heard some people refer to them as very hateful, battle because, because they are from our history. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they will still want to reject their Israelite origin because they think they only think of Israelites as Jews, okay? Not Judahites. All right. Very good, Michael. Excellent show. Uh, now, um, uh, just quickly, uh, the archives of this show and others uh, done this weekend will not appear until Paul fixes the website. That portion of the website is not working, so uh, we won't have any uh, archives of this show and others for a while. I don't know how long it's going to take. So, but stay patient. We'll upload those shows if and when we can. All right? Thanks for listening. Praise the Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Bye, Michael. Goodbye, goodbye. Okay. Take care. Yahweh bless. Bye-bye. Bye.